And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers of the Twitters. And happy Monday as you listen to this. Happy Friday as we record this. And congratulations. You guys have been waiting for it for a while. You've been very patient, uh, I guess. You haven't certainly thrown anything at us as we walk down the street. But it's okay, because I guess you had faith that eventually, at some point, we were going to talk about True Detective. Is it rude that I don't say happy Friday back? Like, usually it's just part of your opening where you say, you know, happy Monday to the listeners and happy Friday as we're recording. And that happy Friday pretty much has to be directed toward me. I guess sometimes I took it as just a a general, remember how good Fridays are to everybody? But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking that it it might be directed more toward me. So should I have been saying Happy Friday back these past four years? I honestly uh, do not think. I I just I think it's part of all just like the general greeting to the listener. So I have not thought you were rude. I haven't thought that there was something missing. Okay. All right. Well, good. I I worried about it, but um, that's good. You're good. Uh, I just realized that. Uh, But yeah, True Detective. Good show. (laughs) It was, on t- it was on- and uh, we were we were working out the dates on this uh, just now, and so about five years ago to the week is when, as you listen to this, is when the season one finale of True Detective aired, um, March uh, March ninth, uh, twenty fourteen, to be specific, and then uh, it was March, I believe, fourth or fifth. Uh, the following year when we officially launched this podcast and it was officially in, it was it, it, our first very first episode was about true detective it was about how i had not seen the first season of true detective until very very close to the uh pr- recording of that episode uh and uh this time at least i kept up with the show to a degree over the course of the season i'm doing great <laughs> You literally, you literally caught up. You literally caught up in week six, was it? Uh, I, yeah, it was week six because then I watched the week seven screener. Yes. But I watched Love the fir- I, I watched the first Just one. Just like before. Yes. But no, I only, I only had to binge like six episodes as opposed to all eight. So, again, improvement. Yes. And I mean... You know, did you did you even watch season two? What did you do with season two? Uh, I think I got through the first episode of season two. <laughs> so really, you've you've kind of lived the best version of True Detective. Like you kind of just skipped over the part that everybody agreed we needed to skip, and you uh, cruised through the prime seasons. Yeah, I mean, basically, I I I I feel like that show. I feel like it's a show that. I have always really appreciated on a number of levels, not to the necessarily though, to the extent that you of course do. Well, yeah, but, uh, that's it. So, so with that in mind, uh, we're going to switch roles. Normally you're the host and I'm, I'm like the that color commentator. Bull um, crap, but whatever. But for, but for this session, I'm going to host it and throw some questions at you because we've got a lot to get through and we have uh, very little time on this very busy Friday. So, right. um, first and foremost, Liz, yes. I want to know what you thought of the season at the end of episode seven. So before the finale, what was your reaction to season three? Well, I think honestly, I, I was I was genuinely excited to find out how to what degree the invocation of season one would affect the finale. And I think 
that was probably honestly my the largest part of my interest. And I think honestly though, beyond beyond that beyond that wrinkle or that 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 you know twist in in the season, I think I wasn't. I was like, this is you know very good, very good acting, uh, very interesting character work. Lots of lots of uh, lots of le- lots of letting moments linger and sink in, and. You know, I, I, but I wasn't like I, I, I confess I wasn't super caught up in the mystery, uh, and so I was just kind of in. I was just kind of along for the ride, enjoying the ride. Well, I mean, honestly, that that could very well be the best case scenario. Um, even up until episode seven, I mean, people had questioned the kind of validity and structuring of the mystery itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of drawing in season one seemed to elevate people's expectations in terms of what the mystery could ultimately end up being. They thought it could be something even, you know, even bigger rather than the simple explanation that seemed to be settling in even before we got the concrete answers we got in episode eight. So um, now we move forward. Uh, the, The finale happens. There are no season one cameos. Uh, it turns out that the the reporter's proposition that the uh, pedophile ring that wasn't fully investigated after uh, Marty Hart and Russ Cole wrapped their investigation in season one, that didn't actually come into play. That had nothing to do with what happened to the Purcell, Purcell children. Mm-hmm. Um, the mystery plays out. We're left with, you know, Wayne and Amelia kind of coming to terms with each other like uh reestablishing their relationship and then wayne kind of drifting off into the jungle liz the episode has ended what are your thoughts now um my thoughts my thought was i need to google and figure out if i missed the part where they explained what happened to uh to what's her name Amelia. Amelia. Yeah. It's a point of contention. Yes. Uh, So I actually, literally, I think my first act upon finishing the episode was to Google uh, True Detective Season 3, What Happened to Amelia? And I don't even think I actually had to fill in Amelia. I think the What Happened to immediately popped up Amelia. Uh, Google Google was wise in this case. And so I learned the answer to that question, actually, uh, because... uh, Nick Pizzolatto uh, commented on Instagram of all places about uh, what happened there, and yeah, it was interesting. But it was a. I, I, but Did she die of cancer? It, it, he apparently has said he said in in this like Instagram comment uh, that there was a scene cut, but basically in like 2013 she died suddenly but peacefully in her sleep. <laughs> Gosh. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I I was talking to our favorite listener, Ann Travers, about uh, the finale, and um, she thought she remembered hearing something about Amelia dying of cancer, and I honestly didn't have anything in my notes about what happened to Amelia, so I didn't know, and then I hadn't actually Googled anything to find out, and um, yeah, so that's good good to know. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's actually, like, fascinating because it's, like, it's, like, like a lot of his comments okay yeah uh they were plan they they were planning an extended vacation around the world um in in, in, but when uh, amelia's amelia's death peaceful but sudden in her sleep nothing nefarious comma just sad and then well sorry go ahead sorry and then there's another apparently uh apparently like a follow-up comment was like 
hey, is that is is Amelia's death the reason why Wayne and Becca aren't very close? Is Becca being his daughter? It's like, yeah, it's, there apparently there's an extended scene where it was just like it reveals that she that Be- Becca and Wayne don't have any problem other than either of them is good at reaching out. Amelia was the parent who always called every week, and they've both been lonely without the other. It's like, okay, yeah, no, no, no huge drama exactly. Exactly kind of the approach you want to take if you're making a massive, a massive, uh, critically, a critically anticipated uh, drama for HBO. Well, especially one that uh, has proven in the past to uh, kind of invite its viewers to really fully engage with the mystery so that every single kind of um, outlier statement, everything that isn't, you know, concretely followed up on or explained is is reason to pause and think well what really happened here or how could this tie in or, or what's the greater mystery so yeah it's 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 interesting and, and these revelations bring up another point surrounding the finale which is that it's uh nearly feature length it's what almost an hour and 20 minutes long like it's yeah. it's very very long and uh sources say it was supposed to be longer it was supposed to be much much longer and uh hbo trimmed it down considerably so those scenes you're talking about you know they they obviously existed and either the network or the writer or somewhere in between ultimately decided that because it wasn't relevant to the final takeaway of the of the series that's that's how they ended up on the floor but the length of the finale is honestly one of my bigger issues with it um do you think it should have been even shorter I think that there I think that there was definitely a way to make it shorter. I think there was definitely a way to include everything we needed to include and answer these questions in such in a briefer amount of time, especially because so much of the mystery itself was wrapped up in you know, two long chunks of exposition. Oh like yeah. We had we we had uh the guy and the the guy missing an eye um eye guy. and the yeah, I, I can't even remember his the, name at but, point. But, but Ben, uh, I Guy was played by Stephen Williams, a.k.a. Mr. X from The X-Files. Uh, that's great, Liz. He's Stephen Williams, a.k.a. Virgil from The Leftovers, but that's fine. He can also he, cite his other credits, but he clearly be... people know him from The Leftovers. Yes, clearly people know him from The Leftovers. I actually forgot he was on The, uh, on, on the Leftovers. That's cool. That hurts my soul. Um but yeah, so so that I've heard that you don't remember him being on the X Files. I didn't say that I didn't remember him. I said that we have to establish him properly in terms of his his number one credit. But um, also, by the way, Jar. Uh, no, absolutely not. You brought up Stephen Williams. So, uh, what's important about the the exposition dumps to me are two. They're they're very blatant. Um, <laughs> like there's not. There's not a lot that goes into hiding them. I give a lot of credit to Daniel Sackheim, who directed this episode, who directed four of the eight this season, and who was called in pretty late uh, to, to, to direct and produce this season. Uh, so he did a lot kind of on the fly and under very pressured, tight circumstances. Uh, and I think he did a great job. And, and the cutaways uh, help kind of mask just the, the direct, you know, <laughs> over-the-shoulder uh, back and forth conversation. They actually give us some stuff to watch and some some you know flashback footage to to absorb. Even though it's all very very clear. Like and the idea that they invited in this whole character that we'd never heard of until the finale and blamed it all on her 
instead of some grand conspiracy related to the Hoyt factory and this pedophile ring that they alluded to in season one, that was kind of deflating from a mystery standpoint. It gave us answers. It gave us everything that we needed. And that kind of gave, that kind of provided closure. And to me, that that's what the finale felt like most of all. It felt like Pizzolatto was saying, I am going to give you closure on all fronts. I'm not leaving anything open-ended, but I'm still like, I'm still going to acknowledge or at least just let those red herrings slide. And I think that's kind of what a lot of the, the skewing in reactions for the viewership has been. Like there's been a, a very wide range of reactions to the finale and to the season overall in terms of like, this was the best one or this was the worst one. And I think it comes down to kind of how dependent you are on the mystery of the show and how the mystery is told. Yeah, I mean, and there, to be honest, like, I, I don't mind sometimes a show just sitting down and being like, here, I'm just going to s- explain it all to you. Like, you know, it, it, whether or not it's true or not, like, TBD. Like, but yeah, I, 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 I don't hate a monologue. Uh, and I feel like, you know, you, you are also in that same camp, at least at some points. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't hate a monologue. I, I don't, in terms of um, understanding a mystery, like with, with, a, with a mystery show, you hope that there's a little bit more to the unveiling of what happened than literally just being told exactly what happened by somebody who knows everything. You hope that... You know, as detectives, they're kind of piecing clues together and those chunks come together slowly and then it all kind of clicks and there's like a, a, a moment of, oh, aha, this is what it was, instead of just kind of a, here you go. It's all right here. You just had to find this guy that you've been looking for for so long anyway, and guess what? You found him and guess what? He has all the answers. So like that is a little lazy to me, but the monologue itself and, and what it provided in terms of how long we've been waiting for concrete answers about what happened to these children, that was somewhat satisfying at least. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I feel like it was interesting cause we, we, we talked about it briefly uh, after I, I learned about the connection between season one and season three. And I feel like at the, at the point, at that point we've only seen through episode seven and you seemed very, a little nervous about, about that connection. Yeah. And I think this is a, this is kind of a, the other big point that we wanted to, or that I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to get your read on, because um, to me that that in invitation felt unnecessary in the end. I, I just it obviously was a red herring because it it nothing came of it. Um, it it wasn't connected to this case, and because it was literally as an anthology series, it didn't have to be connected from season one to season three. The fact that they decided to connect those two stories when the cases weren't actually connected just because they were in kind of <laughs> the same area or to or to help mask the fact or help explain the fact that a lot of season three reminded people of what they liked about season one to kind of give it a purpose even though it didn't end up having it. It, it just felt unnecessary in a way where it inflated again what could what you thought might happen in the finale and how big the mystery might be when in the end the mystery was not that big so they didn't need to do it um and i think it's it's something that's going to set the series on a different path because 
um, I think people will now be asking and now be wondering, is season four going to be a combination, uh, a revival, a, a revisitation of any of these characters or any of these stories? Or um, are we going to try to keep expanding this universe? Are we actually going to go back to that case from season one at some point with a new set of detectives You know, now? Like, all of these questions are going to be coming up. And if Pizzolatto wasn't prepared for that, then he's invited a lot of grief unto himself a lot of unwarranted uh <laughs> i guess anticipation or theorizing uh which again i don't think does the show any favors but i'm definitely somebody who's very embedded in the show and i've been watching for a while and trying to get as many reads as i can liz as somebody who you know is, is just trying to appreciate this kind of on its own how did you feel about that aspect like how did you feel when it was over and and what do you expect now if anything i mean i felt honestly more interested in I felt more interested and invested in a season four than I did before just because I like the idea of it adding up to something bigger and like I I will be very curious to see what happens in that respect uh but also I mean and I'm just I I I'm gonna I'm just gonna be honest about this because uh you know I feel like they're probably I'm probably not the only one who feels like this like I respect the hell out of true detective for, for all the things it does really well. But it's it's never been... I, I got a little more invested in this in the story this season than I have in, in, in times past. And I think a large part of that had to do with Amelia, actually, and being interested in her character, liking her journey as a writer, liking the way that her relationship with... Uh, with Why am I blanking? Walt? Oh, Wayne. 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 Yeah, geez. I literally have it right in front of me. Wayne. Yes, but like I like the way their relationship developed. Like I liked a lot of that aspect of it, but it, it it's not it, it didn't really grab me the way that other shows have. Well, I liked I liked what he was trying to do with Amelia, even though like it it showed that he was very aware of the criticisms that were posed against his female characters in the past, and yet he still couldn't make her a full protagonist like he wanted us to believe she was. Like she never had the kind of you know autonomy and uh and care that was given to wayne let alone roland like even roland had a lot more going on in it even though his backstory too was left a little too open-ended and i think that kind of came to be like the that overall treatment of amelia where it's like she's here she's important she's a writer she's not just a wife and a mother and she actually says that during the show like she like she calls that out again just kind of saying like I know this criticism's coming, so I'm just going to say it out loud, and then you can't make it, and that's not exactly how it works, because that was still so much of what her role turned out to be. Um, but in the end, when we didn't get the answers, it was like we'd invested enough in her where we wanted more, and we still didn't get it. So it's like you have to figure out a way to have these characters be truly equal and then provide you know the well-rounded perspective from beginning to end on all of them if you want us to actually take them as that level of a protagonist so um it's interesting like i i i saw a lot of growth in season three and i don't know where the future is gonna go and i don't know what i should want from it i i don't know if i should want the thing that you're talking about where like everything connects um well that 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 is a that does not shock me because of our fundamental disagreement about things like the marvel universe where i enjoy the connections and all that no, I know, but it's it, and but that's part of it. It's like 
I don't want the show to become reliant on an expectation of what it had already done. We're only three seasons in, and <laughs> one was arguably fantastic, two was a huge disappointment, and three is solid. And if that's the kind of accepted perception, let's say, even if you know one and three flip for some people, then he's only done two out of three that are great, and one that was standalone didn't work, and you're already kind of crutching it on the first season by repeating some of your tropes. I want to see him do more on his own and and more separate and see what those stories are like before we come back together. Or if we're going to come back together, I'd like to see more signs that they're ready for that. They've matured in a level where um, they can reapproach that material and have a a compelling season without it just being like, when's Marty going to show up? When's Rust going to show up? When's Wayne going to come back? When's like, when are these characters that we've actually fallen in love with going to resurface? And similarly, like if he, if he, I don't know if he, if he faces any more criticism from season three, I don't want it to just be a reaction to that criticism. I want him to try to, I want them. I want everybody who's making it to try to build, you know, new things and, and keep growing the franchise. But yeah. I also don't know what to expect. I mean, I'm. By the way, it's been a while since I looked at a list of writers and directors associated with the series and observed. Uh, wow, that's a lot of white dudes. Like not exclusively white dudes, but certainly exclusively dudes. Um, and I know you know Pizzolatto writes most of the nearly everything himself, with a couple of exceptions. But there, there's no excuse for not having at least one female director on your set like that's insane at this point it is 2019 uh yep. and so it, you know it's like yeah if, if pizzolato wants to address the criticism about his things like his female characters maybe involve some women like maybe women has something to say i don't know yeah and it's interesting too because you know when when season one was written entirely by pizzolato and directed entirely by carrie you know, that's how it was, but two and three have broken out, and there's been more hands in the pot, and even when they seem to be acknowledging certain criticisms, the most practical and best solution, you know, is right there in front of them, you know, ask for help from the right people, and they haven't done it, and uh, again, like, I I would, I've talked about this before, but I would really love to see True Detective become the kind of franchise that different auteurs can step into and say, this is my season, and Pizzolatto can kind of shepherd it and he can have his own seasons. You know, if he needs to, if it takes him two or three years, then fine. But in between, you know, they can do some standalones with this format and really tell good stories. Cause I, I, I you know that they're out there. It's just a matter of, of asking. So. Yeah. But yeah, in order for that to happen though, Nick Pizzolatto would have to do that. And uh, yeah, it's, Sorry, I'm, I'm, I find myself slightly frustrated about this right now. Like, I, I legitimately, it's been a while since at least, since I there wasn't at least like a token woman included as a director, like on, on a cat on a list like this, and it's a little staggering to me. Uh, but that's just me being a feminazi, like I do. Uh, I have a question for, I have a question for you, which is, is this? Uh, I I was looking back, and it looks like. And it, it, Emmys wise, it looks like season one competed as a drama, correct? Yep. But that was was that prior to the creation of the limited series category? Uh, no, but it it was it was back when the limited series category was um, it was less important. It wasn't well respected. They hadn't really had a lot of competition, so 
when HBO decided to, like, I think it might even be combined with TV movie at that time. So, like, it, anyway, the, the point was that HBO made the decision to submit it as a drama series, which knocked everybody on their ass because they're like, holy shit, they want to go after, they want to say we're that good. Like, they want to say we're an elite program, so we're going to go after the elite category. And, you know, that didn't work out great because they had to lose to Breaking Bad a lot. But, um, yeah, so no, they'll, they'll submit as limited series now. Uh, but at the time, they, they were going for it. Yeah. That, uh, I was, when we were talking about women a little bit earlier, I was trying to remember that one amazing line from True Detective Season 2 where the lady says something along the lines, get that, get like, says something along the lines of get that dick over here. So I went looking at, I was like trying to figure out if I could find the exact quote and I couldn't, but I did find a couple of other fun quotes from True Detective season two that feel like they're worth reconsidering. Um, here's Ray Velcoro, Velcoro, I support feminism, mostly by having body image issues. Um, here's a, here's an, Annie, an Annie line. The fundamental difference between the sexes is one of them can kill the other with their bare hands. Very feminist, Annie. And then let's also include Frank Simon saying motherfuck motherfuck me and in conclusion Ray Velcora regarding e-cigarettes I tried one once it felt like it was smoking me a real cigarette wouldn't make you feel like that maybe it was just a little too close to uh, sucking a robot's dick Yeah, and uh, that's what spooked everybody when season three started, and there was the Roland line of uh, something like, I consider myself a feminist. Uh, why did he say it? I can't remember how he justified it now. Um, but uh, anyway, it's uh, I think I think what's interesting about True Detective at this point is just that it, it set itself up in a way where the next logical or expected step would be some sort of tie-in to what they've done before, Really, they can do anything. There's no timeline again as to when it's going to come back. I will think that we'll hear something fairly soon from Pizzolatto uh, about the state of the franchise and, and when and how and what might be next. But, um, but yeah. So Maybe I'll post something on Instagram. Maybe. So, yeah, I mean... I, I, you know, hats off to you, True Detective. At the very least, uh, Mahershala Ali, you know, get that Emmy if you can. Um, here's hoping. Here's hoping. Uh, in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week, I believe I've talked about a few times already, and I will talk about again, but just as one more reminder, uh, Better Things is astounding. Uh, season three is unmissable you, you just i mean i don't care how you watch it at this point i'm not going to rant and rave about weeklies but there is a lot to appreciate there so just make sure that you give it a chance uh it's airing on thursdays on fx and of course this is pamela adlon's uh series so check that out that's the best thing liz what's the best thing you watched last week uh well uh beyond better things which is in fact ma magnificent uh, and beyond The Good Wife, I'm rewatching season one of The Good Wife right now while I work on other stuff. It is my co-working show, and it is so, it's one of those, like, delightful reminders of how great that show can be. Uh, 
it the little things like they introduced like beyond just the cast which is insanely good uh even like down to like lower level characters like Sonequa Martin Green plays a secretary for like several episodes in season one like who knew I I, I actually did not know uh and then uh and then also uh you know Gary Cole actually I, I hadn't realized that Gary Cole made his first appearances in season one and Gary Cole's character on the good wife, good, good wife is amazing. I'm so glad they carried him through to the good fight. Um, I am in, this is all in anticipation of getting excited for the good fight returning on to CBS all access very soon, even though uh, it'll be like me and three other critics who watch it. Uh, but the, beyond the good wife, uh, which is always a treasure, uh, Brooklyn nine, nine's uh, most recent episode was good. It wasn't perfect. Uh, the Me Too stuff was a little awkward at times, uh, but it was, you know, but Melissa Fumero gave an amazing performance and I really, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed getting to watch that and I am remain excited for that show. I'm glad it got renewed. Good job, NBC. You did it. They did. Yes. What's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to the ending of Arrest Development. Uh, it's returning for the second half of season five. Um, a much less hyped, much less, I mean, seemingly much less problematic return than when they first came back last year. Um, but the season itself was pretty good once it got going. So I think that um, setting everything else aside, it has the potential to still kind of end well, whether this is the ending or not. So uh, I'm looking forward to checking that out pretty soon. More maybe or no, no more maybe or no piece. I love maybe. Sure. She's the best yep. character. Debatable. Liz, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, there's a Canadian show I'm, uh, I've been meaning to check out uh, on Netflix called Work and Moms. Uh, I don't think Amber, Amber Dowling listens to this, but she's a freelancer. We've worked with a fair amount, uh, and she lives in Canada, and she's a huge fan of the show. And it, everything I've heard sounds, everything I've heard makes it sound like a, one to really check out, like fun comedy for, about about what it what it takes to be a mom, and also work it's a very it's a it's I, th I feel like it's a very complicated premise uh but who knows i'm looking anyways point is i'm looking forward to checking it out netflix keeps reminding me that i want to uh thanks to its home screen so that'll be fun sounds great yes and you can read all about yeah actually you will be able to read something about working moms pretty soon i think uh but you'll be able to read more about things on about regarding television on indywire.com where you'll also find news reviews interviews features all the stuff you like and uh, make sure to listen to Newwire's other podcasts, including Screen Talk with Eric Cohen and Ann Thompson and Chris O'Fault, the wonderful, perfect man hosting Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. Yep. Uh, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and then an E. Yep, that's correct. Uh, we will be back next week. Actually, and I'm like 90% sure we will be back next week with a very special episode. Uh, we got some special guests into the office uh, to record with us. So I uh, don't want to tease anything, but if you have any kind of bud, if you will. Uh, I, did I do that right? I don't I don't know pot. Uh, Sounds great. Yes. If you, if you, if you, 